Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's just talk. Let's just talk. Gerard, developing decision makers. What does it mean to you? Can you hear me, mate? Hey, Yas, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can now. I was going to say, let's just, let's just dive so, straight in, man. Question I've got for you. Yeah, man. let's do it. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, makers, I think, what does that mean to you? Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing is creating environments where players can solve problems, actually make their own decision. You know, so if we're saying developing decision makers, I think a great summary is what, what are we doing to help them make the decision? Because the game belongs to them and them meaning the players versus us making the decision. So if we're, you know, coaching from the sideline where we're coaching the player on the ball and we're telling him to pass or dribble or shoot or play the through ball, we're, ta- we're, we're playing that game for him. And I see that a lot. I saw it a lot of the weekend where coaches are literally coaching the player on the ball because they're trying to fast track that decision and, and, and help the player execute. And I can understand why, because they're trying to manage the game, but then we're taking away choice. What if the player's seen something different? And what if, you know, they have a better idea than we do? And actually, even if they haven't, even if they've seen that decision, the fact that they're processing it, it'll take longer for them to figure this stuff out. You know, for some players, the thought process to be able to identify information and then execute it, that'll take longer than others. You know, everyone's different, but that's part of the learning journey as well. And it's whether or not we want to short-circuit that decision-making process, or do we want to allow time for them to be able to experiment and figure things out, connect the dots. So to me, decision developing decision-makers, put simply, is in making sure that we're not the ones making the decisions. They are, the players are. The players are the ones who are self-learning and problem-solving. Mm, I think no. I think you're spot on. I think I guess the question that comes out for me to really think about this is: Is it then fair to say we cannot develop decision makers with a command-style approach? I think you can and you can't. I mean, I think you can't develop autonomous decision makers if we're constantly command, demand, and telling, because the, you're removing the autonomy from them. Because effectively what you're doing is you're making decisions for them. There will be times where certain coaches may feel that they have to short-circuit decision-making and they have to tell the player what to do. And it's, it's, it's a difficult one. I mean, my thing is, I don't know what you think, I, I never coach the player on the ball. I'm not going to say to the player on the ball, even though I can see that that passes on and just play it down the line, 
you know, the runs there, just give him the ball. I'm not going to say pass or I'm not going to say, like, shoot it or whatever. Run with the ball, run with the ball, turn. I'm not going to do that because, one, I'm commentating and, two, I'm playing the game for them. So I'm not going to allow – they're never going to get better. They're just going to rely on me to think for them. So to some degree, yeah, we can't. But then I do get that, like, if you're giving feedback, there might be times where potentially giving feedback, you might have to tell them an answer. But then how well can you follow up with an even better question? And can we Mm. leave with more questions than answers? But that's different. I'm not joysticking the kid. I'm not telling the kid what to do, where to look or how to move. And what to think. I think if we really want to develop self-learners, you need to give them, you have to let them play. And and then it, it's harder for us as coaches, but we've got to understand that it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a hell of a lot of time. You won't see immediate success. And if we just keep telling them what to do, they might make those decisions, but are they really making those decisions? Or are they just doing it because the coach told them to go there? Do you see what I mean? And it's and yeah, they won't necessarily sense. know the why. They'll do it because, hey, Coach Yaz told me to run over here. They don't know why they're running over there. They just know because Coach Yaz said, hey, go there. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. I think one of the key things that kind of really hit me as you were talking there is I don't really know if it is effective to try and coach the player on the ball anyway. No, it's what not. You, yeah. what, you do, what you do more than anything, you just throw them off the game. So even the decision that they wanted to make, they might not even be able to make that anymore. So I think it's really, really being mindful to say, right, when we are coaching, I'll be coaching on the ball, I'll be coaching away from the ball or coaching around the ball. And where can we actually have an impact? So if I do want to give a player some information, let's be honest with us and say, right, okay, he's on the ball right now, can't really do too much about it, or she's on the ball right now, can't really do too much about it. But actually, by working with the players around them and maybe questioning and challenging and probing the players around them, that's where we might get some more success in terms of our impact as coaches. Yeah, for sure. 100%. And I think we've got to remember that the game is a lot. There's a lot going on in the game. You know, the game has so much information that they're trying to wrestle with the game and the rules of the game. There's a lot going on there. To then have to chuck more information at them is overloading them. And if we actually think about that in itself, like we should just let them play. Let them figure out the rules of the game. Let them understand what we want. And can we be more clear and concise in our information? Because I always look at that first. I always think, like, how well did we explain that? How well did we get that right? So I'll look at, you know, a challenge I gave one of the players the other day, um, yesterday yesterday in the game. I'm going to set that kid a challenge, but I want to check for understanding. I don't want to say, hey, and then assume he understands. I'll check for understanding. I'll ask a question. I'll get the player to explain to me what we're talking about. Once I've sort of clarified there's a clear understanding, we understand, now I'm just going to let him do it. And then I'll reward him or her once I see them, like, attempt. Because even the man always get it right, but the fact that they're trying and they could see that right pass or the, the, the effort was there, you can reward that effort, you know, praise the effort and the intent. The intentionality is, is key. Because that will keep just on that, those you? triggers, right? <laughs> No, I think you're spot on, but this it is this is the question I was gonna I was gonna ask you, Nick, and you kinda of just touched on it. Is it more important to praise intent or effort? And do you see a difference? Well, I think you've gotta it's a it's an interesting one, isn't it? I don't know how you would phrase it, but like effort and intent, what's the difference? I mean, are they similar? I mean it's 
I, I like to, I like to encourage the, the fact that they're trying stuff, and like they so, might have seen that they've that was the right, you know, like they can you can see he has like the fact yeah. that he's ran to receive under pressure, or the fact that they've put the ball down on a goal kick and they're actually attempting to play Fine. short. So then, then, then the question come then off. comes to the question then comes to are we praising intent or are we praising idea? If the effort and intent are very much aligned. Well, yeah, you're you you pray. I think you're praising their 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 actions, aren't you? Their their because intentionality is the ability to it's it's seeing something, isn't it? There's a without getting too academic. There's like an there's a there's an opportunity for action, right? So there's an opportunity for action where goalkeeper's got the ball, put the ball down. Normally, some the defender takes the goal kick, and actually on this occasion, the keepers decided, no, I'm going to take the goal kick because I need to get better at it. Put the ball down seen a player go and they've passed. Now, the technique might not have been the best. The pass might not have been the best to the defender. But the fact that that player's showed the confidence and actually recognised the best moment to try and play that pass. And even if the pass was the right pass and it was right to play that defender, but that defender had a miscontrol, I think you've got to reward that def- the, the goalkeeper for their, their that intention. Like, hey, great. Good decision. Well done. Even though it might lead to a goal, because I'm just coming up with an example. Because so, you know, Yaz might have miscontrolled it, but that just because Yaz made the mistake doesn't mean the decision to play to Yaz was a mistake. Do you see what I mean? So then, so then, is it is it the intent or the idea? Well, are they the same? Is it semantics? I mean, it could be, but then if intent is the same as effort, then if, if, if intent, can intent still be the same as idea? I think the, I mean, the the reality is, is that we, you've got to encourage them to try things. I mean, that's the, if making a decision is so difficult, isn't it? A decision's come from a thought. You've seen something, you've perceived information, you've seen something, you're acting upon it, right? So the fact that they've made a decision, and it might not always be the right decision, but sometimes I think even encouraging that, the fact that they're making decisions, the fact that they're trying to dribble or they're trying to pass or they're trying to ruin the ball or they're trying to, control the ball and play forward and if they get it wrong brilliant now they're getting feedback so it's what could you have done differently as you receive that ball oh maybe I could have checked my shoulder or maybe I could have controlled it here brilliant so next time let's try that off you go and you're just encouraging them to experiment versus yeah. us saying no Yaz in this situation you do X do you know what I mean and then you're yeah. just telling them but that situation doesn't apply to every situation and Ultimately, they're not thinking for themselves. Yeah, I think just not just on that though. You know, you talked there about maybe what what they potentially could do different or next time. I think what a real key part for me for me in this process, you know, the links back into the conversation we've been having recently around how we design practices and how we interact with individuals around their perceptions of variables and things like that. It's maybe right. What did you see there? What were you? You know, what what, what were you trying to do? Why were you trying to do it? And I think getting an insight and a picture around what that looks like so that we can better understand what the actual idea was and whether we maybe need to layer it on with some subjective or objective technical, technical information. No, I love it. I agree. And I think, it's again, it's going back to like yesterday's webinar, we spoke a lot about that practice spectrum. And we should almost see the spectrum as like what, what, what experiences are we designing for the players? So if we're going down that other end where it's, very unopposed, we're going to be isolating mechanics, there's going to be an emphasis on an ideal technical solution, 
which is driven by the coach. And the coach will spend a lot of time telling and demonstrating and showing how we develop an autonomous self-learning thinking soccer players, football players. Whereas the other end is, as we start to go along that continuum, we're having to develop more experiences where players are making their own choices. They're making choices on time and space. They're having to look for information. There's no ideal technique. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, all of a sudden, we're creating that more autonomy and self-learning. So I think the challenge comes linking back to yesterday's messages as coaches. What experiences are we designing for the kids? And is it really player-centered or is it coach-centered? And if it's more coach-centered, how can we change that dial towards player-centered? So, in short... Decision making is allowing the place to have the freedom and creative expression to do that without command, then, yeah? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Giving them the autonomy to make decisions, mate. It's good. Yeah, 100%. And I guess the other the other key thing to kind of highlight within that then is the emphasis on just how important it is for coaches to both ask effective and thought provoking questions. Yeah, for sure. I think even the, the, the practice is a question, isn't it? The actual activities that we're designing and the challenges, they're questions in themselves because it's asking a question of the player to solve. And I think, you know, we're getting them to think and that's the thing is like, how are we getting them to think and how much is too much? And can we just give them an opportunity to try stuff and play? Play the game. You know, we don't really have to complicate it. The more we can simplify the message... We're actually going to create meaningful learning experiences for the kids at well, any age. I think there's a danger that we always try to over-engineer these activities or rules or conditions. And that's when we start to design these false environments, as we showed on the practice spectrum, that don't necessarily look like the game or their game. And they're not going to give these players the opportunity to make decisions because the decisions they're making, don't, they're not relevant. Because they're not, it's not going to look like that in the game. It's not going to look like that in the game every time. So, what are we preparing them for? You know, what's that transfer for learning? No, I think some great points there, John. I guess the, you know the one thing that kind of really stands out for me then is, as coaches, how involved should we get the players in collaborating on the design of our practices to really be aware of what the questions are that the practice is actually asking? If that makes sense. Well, if you, I mean, you've, you've hit a great nail on the head there, which is I think the more we can co-design, the better. And that, that takes time. You know, like me and you, when we started, I mean, if you think about it, we've been coaching for years, right? We're, you know, 15-odd years or more into this. It took us a long time to get to this. You know, we certainly weren't like this when we first started out. And I think that's okay for coaches, you know, listening to understand that it takes time um, and it's, you know, you'll get there. But the more that you can be comfortable in your own skin and 
asking players, like, what can we do to make this more difficult? How can we make this more challenging for you? What rules could we introduce linked to learning that would help us achieve our mission? You know, really design it with the players. I think that's good because you're giving them opportunities. I mean, I did this, funny enough, on my AYA assessment. I remember 2014, and um, I was. this is with the under-21s, PDP phase. We're actually preparing for a game, so you don't want to do too much, like, I guess, grey area match prep. You want it to be quite clear for players, especially at that level. But I was actually working on counter-attacking principles, and I gave the players the ownership to set up the area. Now, they'd set it up for me, a little bit too short. There wasn't enough depth to break into. I allowed it because I didn't want to correct him. And then at that time, you know, start saying, well, because then all of a sudden you're not really being true. You know, you've asked him to set it up. I wanted to see that as a learning opportunity. So we got playing. We're achieving some success, actually, funnily enough. But I'd asked him in one of the breaks... What you know? Is there anything you'd like to change? Have a think about the practice size. Are you happy with the the area? Do you want to change it? And the players are actually, we need to change it. All right. Well, how would you change it? Let's make it longer, because that depth will allow us more realism. We've got the depth to to exploit in behind. Also, give us space. And actually, can we add a counter? Can we add a goal here? Counter goal for this team. And yeah, let's try it. All of a sudden, you're developing players who are like coaches. They're really like analytical, but they're also thinking about the design, the practice. Unbelievable. That was with under-21s, and it, it worked, and it ended up becoming better and better. And I, I remember, like, not many people probably do that when they're getting assessed for AYA. They probably try and plan a session where it's... I was just trying to be myself. I wasn't thinking I was getting assessed. I just thought, it's another day at the office, and let's try something. And the players were getting better, and they were at a different stage as well. A lot of them were going for the coaching licenses, so there was a bit of that going on where I'm trying to help them understand stuff. But I was also trying to help them achieve other objectives within the session so they're so actually thinking about the depth oh sorry can you hear me now hey Yaz can you hear me hey Yaz can you hear me okay yeah, I am. Can you hear me okay? I am, yeah. Sorry, I don't know what bit you missed, but I was just saying about uh, obviously working with 21s years ago and allowing the players to dictate what the area size was, assertion. I gave them the ownership to design the area and it it didn't have enough depth and they actually ended up changing it and making it longer and just going through that discussion with them. It was really, really useful. I think, you know, the more we can do with them, the better because there's other... There's other objectives, there's other learning lessons that we can achieve when we're working with players like that.
you know, I think it's spot on. And, you know, it's really interesting. I was having a conversation with Rusty the other day, and he was saying how, you know, he thinks that he thinks the best thing that coach that coach that clubs can do now is from players as young as 16, 17, 18, get them on the level one and level twos. And I thought it was a brilliant, and I think it's a brilliant idea. I mean, it's not one I haven't heard before, but I think it's just a fantastic way of trying to help players understand what goes through the mind of a coach. So then they can become better co-designers of practice and learning. Yeah, 100%. I completely... And we do it all the time. Every environment I've been in, and even now over here, we put our uh, U19 girls in, and a lot of them U18, U19 uh, high school players, where a lot of them are 16, 17, 18, uh, through the US soccer licenses, like 77, 99, 11, and the D. But you're going to be better players for it, aren't you? No different to when... I mean, I was at Halifax. We did our level two, you know, with the PFA and all that. You do it, so it's it's the same. I think it's it's such an advantage. I think if we look at the game now, certainly in academy environments, the players' understanding is really high. Like their game understanding. If we, I mean, you have done a lot of this at Watford and some of the other academies you've been in. Some of the players now they really do think about the game quite well, don't they? You know, so we're we're developing these sort of future coaches and future analysts anyway. No, I think it's a great point. I think the key thing to kind of really think about there is the, the sooner we can tap into them, even if it's not got by going on a course, I think just for helping them understand why we design practices in the way they've, they've, they've done it. And again, it's, it's going to sound like a bit of a broken record, but it comes back to the piece we are talking about yesterday letting them be aware of the variables that we're considering when designing these practices, because these are the variables that are going to have impact on their decisions. By giving them awareness of that and, and consciousness of what those variables are, we're allowing them to then better create solutions for those problems. Yeah, 100%. 100%. No, it's good. This is a good chat. And obviously, it's a great review of yesterday. And it's just really thinking about that spectrum, isn't it? Where on that prestige spectrum do you sit? What experiences are important to you that you find of value to you? And how does that relate to your players? Is it a benefit to your players? So I think this is really cool. So to round up then, Gerard, developing decision makers, what's the key consideration you want coaches to think about? How much are the players making the decisions versus you? simple as that isn't really and I think from, from my from my side it's right if we're saying we want decision makers what does that look like for us as coaches mm. how do we interact how do we support decision making processes without giving our own feedback and instructing players and recognising that is it even possible to have both at the same time just a question for you to think about G been a quick Bite-sized 30 minutes on a Monday for the first time. We'll be back next week and then we'll go from there, man. Yeah, let's I love it. And this is a great recon for anyone who missed the webinar yesterday, just to tap into this. And then obviously they can find out more. Feel free to reach out to yourself, obviously, right, Yaz? Reach out to you if they want to tap into that webinar and future stuff that we're going to be running. Obviously, we've got the event on in October for the feedback as well, haven't we? That's right. So we just released the information regarding that. We've got another webinar coming up on October 21st. If you want to drop in and check that out, 
You can find the link on our Twitter, Twitter accounts. You can find me, obviously, at the Coaches Net, Gerard at Ulembly. Um, guys, get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts on our discussion today um, and anything else that you want to hear discussed on the show. Until next time, guys, take care. Gerard, have a good one, man. Have a good one. See you, bye. Bye, bye, bye. There you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.